This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of August 21st, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Our guest this week is well known to racing fans. For 25 years, he has been a beloved figure in the IndyCar series, first as a driver, then a team owner, and as a champion of innovation, persistence, and the human spirit. Sam Schmidt is an example of everything you can accomplish when it might seem like everything has been taken from you, including your ability to move. During a practice session in Florida in 2000, he lost control of his car and smashed into a concrete barrier at around 180 miles an hour. Doctors saved his life, but he has been paralyzed from the shoulders down ever since. Within about a year, he had started a racing team, as well as the not-for-profit Sam Schmidt Paralysis Foundation, dedicated to raising funds for medical research, developing innovative equipment for rehabilitation, and helping people with severe mobility issues navigate their lives again. Schmidt's racing team has evolved over the years to what we now call Aero McLaren, featuring IndyCar stars Pato Award, Alexander Rossi, and Felix Rosenquist. In 2021, Schmidt and partner Rick Peterson sold 75% of their interest in the team to McLaren Racing. And Schmidt's foundation was rebranded in 2014 as Conquer Paralysis Now, which in 2018 created Driven Neuro Recovery Center. It provides rehab services for people with neurological conditions that affect mobility. On August 1st of this year, Schmidt announced that Conquer Paralysis Now would be moving its headquarters from Las Vegas to the former home of Five Seasons Family Sports Club on 96th Street, right on the border between Indianapolis and Carmel. What's more, the facility will house the second Driven Neuro Recovery Center, offering fitness programs, adaptive sports, aquatics, physical and occupational therapy, and mental health services. CPN expects to invest $22 million in the whole project, including the nearly $8 million that it already has paid to purchase the property. In this week's edition of the podcast, Schmidt shares his story of recovery from a near-fatal injury and how he uses it to help others inspire others with mobility issues. He explains why he wanted to move his not-for-profit to the Indy area, as well as his vision for how the Driven Center will work with many of the big players in central Indiana's medical community. And he discusses his plans to create Driven Centers across the country, as many as 25 within five years. Here's our conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Sam Schmidt, the founder and chairman of Conquer Paralysis Now and co-owner of the Aero McLaren IndyCar team. He is joining us via Zoom from Las Vegas. Sam, thank you so much for taking time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so let's jump right into it. The accident that severely injured your spinal cord was 23 years ago. With the improvements in treatment for paralysis in the last 23 years, how would you say that your quality of life and ability to navigate life have improved from maybe that first year? Pretty amazing, actually. I mean, there's been a lot with rehabilitative research. There's been a lot with uh, the technology that I sit and drive in every day with my wheelchair. And then, you know, home automation. A lot of people take Alexis and, uh, and Siri for granted on a daily basis. But just think about if you didn't have your hands or your legs to use, how impactful that could be to turn on your lights and navigate your TVs and fans and everything else. And so it's, it's technology has come a long way as has, has the research. 
especially the last five years. So we're, yeah, very well equipped. And it could work independently. I just have such a such a load of stuff that I typically have somebody help me. But no, the technology has come a long way. It's it's fantastic. What initially was your prognosis after the crash? What were doctors telling you? Well, I don't know if any neurosurgeons are listening, but uh, the neurosurgeon that operated me on, on Friday, I'm sorry, in the Florida, when it happened, didn't exactly have the greatest bedside manner. Uh, <laughs> my wife took a red eye to get out of it. I was injured kind of midday on a test day at Disney World Speedway. They airlifted me to level one trauma in uh, Orlando. My wife was not there. My father was there. My dad called her, you know, got a six month old. She's got to organize everything, get on a red eye, come in the next morning. And overnight, they had done a, a very long procedure to stabilize my neck from the back. Uh, I didn't basically destroyed C4 vertebrae. So I have a titanium going from C3 to C5. And she shows up at six o'clock in the morning, exhausted. And the doctor simply says, well, the good news is he made it through the night. Uh, if he makes it through the week, uh, find him a nursing home. He will be on a ventilator for the rest of his life. And that could be two to five years. So the internet was not prevalent at the time. Uh, they started burning up the phone line, calling these independent spinal cord injury rehabilitation centers. You know, there just wasn't a lot of easy access to information like there is nowadays. Spinal cord injury 101 on the phone in the lobby of the hospital. And to a T, most of the big ones, I mean, Shepard, Craig, Kessler, all had the same theory that if he's crushed his vertebrae and he's got on a ventilator now, we're going to basically teach you how to live with it. We're going to a real great outcome there. But there was one doctor in St. Louis who had been working with Christopher Reed the previous five years, developing this intensive activity-based training. And he was, uh, you know, energetic, optimistic, and uh, told my wife and my parents that uh, just get him here and we will do everything possible to get him off the ventilator and we will work his tail off and get the best outcome, whatever that may be. If it's on a ventilator, we'll teach you how to live with it. But really the aggressive nature of their therapy is what my parents knew that I would want uh, as a professional athlete and as somebody who was not gonna give up on it, right? So uh, a couple weeks after my injury, got me airlifted to Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. Spent six months there, but they, uh, they had me off the ventilator in six weeks and that was life-changing. I don't, I don't honestly think I'd be alive today if I would not have got off the ventilator. Do you think, and I know it's a hard thing maybe to figure out, that if somebody were to have the same or some sort of similar accident today, that they uh, potentially would be getting the same bad information or poor bedside manner, a negative uh, approach that you got 23 years ago? Or do you think that the, you know, this, this branch of medicine uh, now knows what more is possible? I think the percentage of neurosurgeons that would have a negative outlook is drastically reduced in 23 years. If they're good, if they're any kind of good, they're reading journals, they're seeing what's going on, they're watching videos. The only thing holding them back from, frankly, from giving an optimistic outlook, as opposed to a, man, there's a lot of good things going on. You just don't know what you don't know. And the one thing we do know is if you do nothing, you will get no results. <laughs> That's, you know, going to be a pretty typical result. 
And if anything's holding you back from giving a level of optimism, it's their insurance company and their legal team saying you can't provide any help, any hope for optimism because, you know, you're going to get sued if it doesn't happen. But yeah, the, I would say it's flipped from 70% unoptimistic un 23 years ago to 70 or 80% very optimistic. You know, look on YouTube, there's story after story of people that have overcome this disability and come on to be very productive members of society and uh, active leaders in the community. But that is the facts. If you sit at home and do nothing, uh, you will kind of dwindle away and your body will have a negative effect. You know, I didn't know until uh, really just before the interview, uh, I read that your dad was paralyzed also when you were 11 years old. I, I didn't quite get the context there. What happened? Yeah, I mean, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree, as they say. And uh, <laughs> uh, my dad, I mean, we grew up racing, right? You're typically a function of whatever your parents like to do, whether football, basketball, hunting, fishing. Uh, well, my dad was a racer. And so my first set of wheels was a motocross bike. And I raced motocross until I was 11 years old. And when I was 11, he was racing off-road down in Mexico. Back, you know, when Mickey Thompson, Parnelli Jones, uh, I call it when men were men. And there was somebody coming backwards. You're typically using backcountry roads and everyday roads. And so he came around a corner. There was somebody coming the other way. He pitched sideways. They ran into his car sideways. A different type of neurological disorder, but it basically was like a stroke. It slapped his brain up against his skull on the left side, which paralyzed his right side and lost his speech. They said he'd never walk or talk again. And I was, you know, personally witness to uh, five days a week, two hours a day for two years, outpatient therapy to get his leg back to where he could walk and get his speech back normal. He never got to use his arm back, but, you know, I had no idea uh, what an impact that would have on me 24 years later, because now I'm in a similar situation where they're saying, you'll never be able to do this again. So I had several reasons to give him, give it my all, none the least of which was his example. So uh, within one year of becoming a paraplegic, and, and you can maybe be more specific about the timing, you founded the, the Sam Schmidt Paralysis Foundation, which is, uh, tell me if this is right, the precursor to conquer paralysis now. I mean, that's a very hopeful and very proactive thing to do. I mean, was there ever a period of uh, despair or feeling sorry for yourself before you could commit to dedicating yourself to addressing this problem on such a large scale? Well, it's actually two things. I think in January, one year after my accident, we started Sam Schmidt Motorsports, which competed with Davey Hamilton, the Indy Racing League. And then the foundation was a function of, you know, I have professional athlete insurance, the home and George family, the entire motorsports community was really helpful and energetic and wanting to do anything to help us. Uh, gave us a fundraiser five months in for our medical care. But I quickly realized at Barnes Jewish, that was not the norm. And all of these people wanting to do things, wanting to help. If I don't need it, why, why shouldn't we start a foundation to help others? And so yeah. that was a direct function of the motorsports community and everybody wanted to help. I, it was extremely motivating to me emotionally, but I didn't need the financial support at that time. And a lot of other people did. So that was a function of that. At the same time, in parallel, you come home, you got nurses all day, you got, you know, physical therapy, all this stuff going on. Prior to that, my wife had, we've been married seven years and 
she had married into a racing family, which meant I traveled 200 days a year. She was independent. I was independent, six month old, two and a half year old. Uh, dear, you need to find something to do or else I'm going to kill you. It doesn't involve having all these people here, right? And this is really one of the reasons why in this situation, it's an 85% divorce rate. And it has to be addressed as to how do you get back into life because it implodes not only you, it implodes everything around you, yeah. uh, the people around you. And it can be uh, just relationship destroying, family destroying, and that's what we're trying to fix now with the, with the new center, among other things. So we started the team, we started that, and uh, I was always a multitasker. I had upwards of you know 12 to 15 businesses kind of going on uh, my entire life after college. And you know, it was time to buckle down, see what was important. It takes you know an average of two and a half hours to get up every morning. So you want to make that as productive as possible and get as many things done as possible. And really, more importantly, have a reason to get up. Uh, to your question, I would be lying if there was never staring at the ceiling saying, you know, why me? I felt like I was living life correctly. Uh, I had a very strong, have a very strong faith, you know, family, this kids. I mean, everything's just, you know, it's like you know, a painting of a perfect life is what we had, right? And that gets imploded. And so, yeah, why is there? There's all these questions, but again, I've had epiphanies along the way. And, uh, you know, one of them is I, I, I literally can't move anything from the shoulders down. I believe I was not given back that ability simply because I could, I could pretty much talk to anybody and say, unless you're on a ventilator, you're not any worse off than me. I pursued my passion. I'm still racing. I'm now driving. I have this foundation. I don't have a lot of time and patience for excuses. Either, you know, do something productive with your life. And if you want to, we will show you how to do that and help you. But if you're not interested in putting the, you know, putting the skin in the game, then don't waste my time and my resources and move on. If I had got, you know, a more stuff back, and I had use of my arms where I could walk, you know, the guy, the guy in front of me that just got paralyzed is going to be a little less, I don't know, uh, inspired, but nine times out of 10, they've got the use of their arms. And I can say, what the hell's wrong with you? I, I, you know, like, I'm sorry for your situation, but I have hundreds of examples of people that have actually gone on to do way more impressive things, accomplished things, successful things post their injury. It could be athletics. It could be business. It could be, you know, just going back to work and putting bread on the table and maintaining your, your, your sense of manlyhood or whatever. You know, I mean, all these things are there. There's story after story. Do you want to be that or do you want to be sitting on the couch watching ESPN? You know, you got a decision to make, really. So specifically, the mission of the Sam Schmidt Paralysis Foundation uh, was what? If you could boil it down to a couple of things. Find a cure for paralysis. But specifically in the name conquer paralysis, it doesn't say cure paralysis simply because over time I realized that everybody has different goals. And like for me, if I could reach out and hug my kids and hug my new grandbaby, that would be for me conquering paralysis in a way. You know what I mean? I've conquered it because I've gone 213 miles an hour. I've conquered it because I still have an IndyCar team. But, you know, a cure is is much deeper and so uh but we also have different you know different definitions of a cure so we're we're attacking all of that from a research standpoint but in the meantime 
there's approximately 18 million people in this country with some type of mobility impairment. And we quickly found out in our research that our technology, our equipment, our one-on-one training has a magnificently positive impact on not only spinal cord injury, but also stroke, brain injury, transverse myelitis, MS, ALS, PLS. We are serving now 20 different disorders, some more than others, but it all has a really positive effect on their quality of life and, and their ability to get back into life. Yeah, so in 2018, CPN created this program in Las Vegas called Driven Neuro Recovery Center, uh, which is, we call it a program, but it's also a physical treatment facility. And then, yeah, if you could, what is the purpose of, of a driven center? Really just to evaluate everybody that comes to the door on a personal level and say, you know, you've been injured two weeks or you've been injured 20 years. You know, what's your situation? How can we improve your, your, your abilities? Uh, we have cutting edge technology equipment that you won't see in a PT clinic because insurance doesn't cover it. We also have access to psychological uh, assistance, whether it be marriage and family counseling or just a regular psychiatrist. Uh, I think that's critical. Uh, the ability to take everybody, regardless of their ability to pay, because the people that need it the most can't afford it. You know, all of these things, that's the approach of driven because I was at the core, at the core, the reason I'm still here today, healthy, traveling 100 days a year, and with my degree having me is that uh, I had a reason to get up every morning. I, I found purpose in my life. Uh, what does purpose mean for you? And uh, if you're willing to do the work, how can we help you get there? So Conquer Paralysis now currently is based in Las Vegas. You are currently based in Las Vegas. Why did you want to move the headquarters to the north side of Indianapolis? Just, man, call it my first one and a half or second home in the sense that uh, I'm a huge fan of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, ever since I was five years old, my hero is Rick Mears and I want to compete there. So I spent a lot of time there. I love the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Indy 500. And more importantly for this situation, magnificently healthy and robust healthcare platform, right? You've got IB, uh, IU Health investing four by five billion. You've got Goodman Campbell, you've got Ascension, St. Vincent, you've got community three level one traumas, children's hospital. I mean, all of these robust centers of health and research that people come from miles, if not, you know, hours away to participate in. And we want to be the extension of that. Like the biggest problem in healthcare today is that if, you know, I had six months of inpatient rehabilitation. If you have the same injury now, you're going to get six weeks. They're going to send you home completely unprepared for life. Your house isn't ready. You have no transportation. Your family's like, what the hell am I going to do with this guy? And we want to help with that transition. We want to give a place for people to go, you know, one, three, five days a week, open gym for people with disabilities, the psychological aspect, athletic opportunities, just sort of multiple programming. And it's important for me to say, we are absolutely not going to compete with any existing programs already in Indy. There's enough opportunity to augment what's already there. There's a fantastic group there on the east side called Neuro Hope uh, with uh, Chris Liu. I think been in existence about nine years. They're doing amazing work along the lines in the mission of Driven. So we are simply going to provide space for them in our new building to come over to have a lot more space, a lot more programming, uh, a lot more opportunity and equipment than they have right now just to expand. 
because they're already doing good work. We don't want to interrupt that. We don't want to compete with that. And we'll use our resources somewhere else. And so that's a key thing. We have 108,000 square feet. So they're going to occupy, I think, about 25 or 30 of that and then uh, expand programs from there. So amazing. You know, you talk about New Hope, you talk about wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, just a lot of programs. RHI on the West side is doing good work in uh, in a similar area. We want to partner with them to just help where maybe they don't have funding or they don't have enough space or something. How can we help them continue to do what they're doing? And I can tell you the hospital network can't wait to shove us uh, hundreds, if not thousands of referrals that people run out of insurance. So uh, that's why, you know, and just the history of healthcare there. Uh, and then also one of our key things going forward is there's a lot of neurological research being done uh, in Indianapolis by Goodman Campbell and IU Health and others. And we want to be the rehabilitative arm of that research. When it becomes translational, you want to apply it to actual human beings. We want to be the place to do that. We want to be the experts in rehabilitative care because we do have the equipment that nobody else has. So if we can put, you know, any of those in, and another reason for a freestanding building is to kind of be agnostic, right? We can, we can work with all four groups, uh, you know, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, benefit, everybody benefits from what we do. Okay. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with our conversation with Sam Schmidt about his plans for moving his not-for-profit group, Conquer Paralysis Now, to central Indiana and to open a driven neuro-recovery center in the former home of Five Seasons Family Sports Club. How did you land on uh, the Five Seasons Sports Club facility? Everything happens for a reason. And uh, we were looking at land and talking to contractors, and now it it isn't exactly attractive from a pricing standpoint or a time standpoint to build right now. The economics of the five season were difficult because prime piece of the land, but what they wanted for it, they were valuing the building. Most other people wouldn't tear the building down. Uh, we were able to sort of dig in with corporates out of Cincinnati and I don't know, 70 year old company privately held. We were able to work the numbers and it, it basically winds up, we get, we get a facility in a year. It would take us three years to build. It's a, it's a third of the price and a third of the time. And the fact that it was a fitness club is ideal for us, not ideal for anybody else. So you can't beat the location. Uh, you can't beat the size. You can't beat the price. You can't beat the time. Uh, so it really was, believe me, I looked for reasons not to do it because it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a big task and it's a lot of money to raise. But every, all roads pointed to we got to do this, you know. So I looked up the the transaction and the, the state database. So that has already happened. The building, the property has been purchased. Yeah, we're done. We own it. And uh, we own it free and clear. And then they're working with us to manage the remodel uh, because as they put it, nobody goes to the building better than them. They built nine of those facilities around the country and uh, they know what it needs. They know how much it should cost to remodel it. 
and uh, they're going to work with the local GC to do that. So uh, RFPs are out. We're waiting for permits, and we hope to, you know, really in the next thirty days, just start digging in. So the the purchase price that I saw on the on the form seven point seven five million is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So it would have cost you three times that to build, which sounds about right. Oh, totally. Even with the remodel, we're going to be yeah, one hundred twenty five dollars a foot. I was getting quotes anywhere from uh, three hundred to four hundred dollars a foot uh, to build from scratch in three years. So my shading is the so Congress paralysis now tends to spend but close to twenty two million in terms of purchasing, renovating, and equipping the facility. And and where does that money come from? Is that all from your uh, fundraising? Yeah, fundraising, and um, we've started a you know a bit of a capital campaign, call it, uh, you know, for big purchases so that we want to own it free and clear. And uh, we're fortunate that being a 501c3, uh, our ongoing costs would be less because we don't have to pay property taxes, but that's just, uh, you know, a fixture with the county is and everything. So it's attractive. Uh, you know, we're going to do all new, all new LEDs and, and HVAC and, and try to keep the operating space as low as possible, considering, considering solar, if we get that to work financially. And so, there's a whole fundraising thing for day-to-day costs and expenses, which is typically the events. And then there's a much bigger capital campaign going on for Vegas for there. We want to own every three inch there, but most importantly, we want to set up an endowment that will sustain this for 25 to 30 years. So that's kind of my full-time job. Uh, and frankly, you know, one of my primary reasons for selling 75% of my IndyCar team at McLaren was A, I put all the money towards this, and B, I need to focus as much on raising money for this process as I did focus on raising money for the IndyCar team, which uh, which anybody that does it knows it's, it's not very easy, but uh, we were successful and we had a great team and we had great success, and that's effectively what McLaren purchased. But it gives me an opportunity to still keep my toe in the game and have fun and go to the races and potentially win an Indy 500 championship, but it's really... I guess the way I summarized it last week at the groundbreaking was ever since I was five years old, I had a, I had a, uh, a passion to win the 500, this process and what's happened at Driven and just the enlightening enormity of the problem has now given me a purpose in life. And uh, I used to think passion and purpose are the same thing. Uh, they're really not. And uh, this is the purpose of my life, you know, while I'm on earth is to, to get this up and running and set it up so that thousands of people can have the same rehabilitation care and access that I had, that Robert Wickens had, that, you know, now hundreds of other people have had. We've got to make it accessible to everybody. So let me back up real quick. So the proceeds from your 75% ownership sale of Schmidt-Peterson, so some of that is going into this project? All of it. All of it. Okay. Is that going to get you to the $21 million? No. Um, you know, it's not an disclosed number as to what we sold it for, but uh, I will say that, you know, we're proud of the fact that we had ongoing partners, ongoing contracts, and a successful team to uh, monetize it more than the value of the assets, which is a typical IndyCar transaction. So uh, McLaren's been great, known Zach Brown for 30 years. To, you know, we sort of got engaged for two years in, in 2021 with a technical alliance and a partnership financially. But it was all leading to to this. Ultimately, they wanted to have a majority stake in the IndyCar team, and we had to make sure that we were all the right partners, and we are. And we, everything's going great, other than the fact that we, you know, should have won three or four races this year already. 
But if we weren't putting wins first, then we aren't doing our job. But to me, I am very, very fortunate that uh, prior to my accident, I had a way to, I, I built and managed and sold you know, companies before my accident. And so uh, it's just amazing that I have realized I'm doing way more uh, after my accident with the use of no arms than I ever could have accomplished the other way around because I was so micromanager and A-list and couldn't, couldn't trust anybody, you know, couldn't delegate with the daughter. Overnight, I'm forced to delegate everything. And oh my gosh, you can accomplish way more with a team than you can by yourself. It's amazing, which is obvious, but, you know, I had to hit myself over the head to do it. So my, I, you know, if I'm not in a chair, I don't ever have the team. I don't ever have seven championships in Indy Lights and 75 victories. I don't ever have a relationship with Ralph Braun, which led to an ownership piece of Braunability, uh, still on the stock and, and on the board of directors, the foundation, all of this fulfillment. I think there's a, you know, potentially what my situation is made by kids absolutely unbelievably young, good young adults that are philanthropic and wanting to work and wanting to help people uh, because they've seen what this does to a family. I mean, all of these things, you know, I couldn't have done it if I wasn't in a chair. So I wish I wasn't in a chair, but, <laughs> but I can see the silver lining. I can see the reason. I can see the purpose. Are you planning on moving from Las Vegas to central Indiana? Or are you just going to stay put? No. I mean, as everybody knows, um, Las Vegas is a wonderful uh, corporate environment with uh, no state income tax, no corporate state income tax, no state state income tax. And more importantly, uh, now that I have traveled the world in a wheelchair, it is the most accessible city in the world because of tourism. So, you know, the fact that it's attractive corporate, but most importantly, it's flat, it's warm, nice, eight months out of the year, and I can fly anywhere in the world nonstop. You know, this this is my own, you know, considering pre-COVID, I was traveling 140 days a year. Um, I haven't quite got back to that, and I don't really want to, but I've got a new granddaughter in California, so that's uh, going to take some trips over there. And then I'm just finishing a condo in Carmel, actually, a two-bedroom, two-bath condo. To, uh, uh, but I, you know, these three places, I basically plant a van, a wheelchair, and all my toiletries so that I can fly back and forth without having to drive. So, again, I'll, you know, sort of a luxury of being able to work and, and find, uh, you know, find the money. So uh, we're all in and, you know, it's not a moonshot, right? It's not a it's not a medical journey that you could throw money in for your entire life and not see the results. I see results from this process every single day, uh, changing people's lives, saving people's lives. Twenty five percent of our clients are military, VA, because they're not getting what they need at the VA. Um, I think that will only grow over time. So it's just really inspiring everywhere I look. How much of your staff is moving? If the, if the headquarters of Cocker Prowse is now is going to be in Indianapolis. Does that mean that staff has to go to Indianapolis? Really, it's just going to be uh, like one or two people. Brandy Kirka uh, was my personal assistant for five years. And then when we started Driven, she's got a master's in kinesiology. All she ever wanted to do is work with people with neurological disorders and lift them up. And she saw it work for me firsthand. Uh, she has started. She's been in the, in the in the trenches with me this entire time is a magnificent uh, ambassador for Durban. So she will move to Indy becoming, 
you know, the executive director of Driven and that expansion. We're expanding into Phoenix in the next six months or less. So she'll be over, she'll have an enormous job of transitioning Driven, stabilizing and, you know, making Driven here sustainable and, and staffed and where it needs to be. So it's kind of all over all the Drivens, which, you know, we hope to be in the range of 25 to 30 Drivens within five years. Oh, wow. No kidding. So the Las Vegas will stay, but we'll start in Indianapolis, then Phoenix, and then who knows? Yeah, and our satellites are probably going to be a five to 7,000 square foot footprint. We're, we're kind of building that on Phoenix, and, and that'll be our, our uh, sort of satellite test run there. And once we get that you know, finalized, what we got to do, what equipment we need, how many people we need, then we'll try and launch that uh, you know, in other places around the country. But the mega thing and all the research, all the athletics, all the uh, medical tourism will be pointed towards Indianapolis. And uh, couldn't be more proud of that, bringing that to that city. Uh, Roger Penske is a big part of my life. The Penske Entertainment family, Mark Miles, Doug Bowles, all of those people have been material in allowing me to do what I love, go racing and and solve this problem, you know. So all of the IndyCar, we're collaboratively talking to all the IndyCar team members because one of the things really unique about this sport is every Sunday we're trying to kick everybody's butt on, on track. But if something tragic happens, and it has happened quite a bit, in the last 20 years, everybody rises to the occasion. You know, what do you need? You know, what does your family need? You, uh, you need a jet, you need this, you need that. Uh, how do we convert your home? What kind of vehicle you need? The money is there and the people are there instantaneously for a great result. James Hinchcliffe almost died in 15, comes back and wins wins the pole for Indy 516. Robert Wickens almost dies. Now he's racing again. I mean, these are really life-changing situations. And uh, now I've gone around all the ownership group and I believe we're going to be able to announce some substantial commitment as a whole from the owners uh, towards this facility. Again, because it's based in Indianapolis. And uh, I can't tell you how many people come up to me or written to me last week and said, oh my God, you know, I was a member there. My family remember there. We spent the whole summers there. I'm so glad you are repurposing that facility for this use. You know, most of the contractors are guaranteeing a, uh, a May to June completion next year. And there's nothing I would love to do better than to do a ribbon cutting before next year's Indy 500. Uh, but I want to be realistic. And most importantly, we need to, in the next year uh, before that happens, create the infrastructure, create the personnel, uh, create everything we need to have to, to launch. And really, you know, we're looking at 5X this company in 18 months, you know, so uh, it's a lot of work. And uh, we want to do it first class and do it right and look the best people to do it. So, Well, this is going to be great fun to watch unfold over the next few years. Uh, congratulations on the project. Very excited and thankful you know, to the entire NAPS community. We announced on Thursday, we had the governor, we had a couple senators, Mark, Doug Bowles, Earl Good. I mean, it was stacked. And we had all five stations, which, sorry, four major stations, which I've never had, plus IMS Productions. I mean, it was uh, really, really supportive and energizing. Have had some great meetings with some major families and philanthropists, and uh, like everybody gets it. And I can honestly look anybody in the eye and say, with the numbers of neurological disorders we're dealing with, there will be somebody in your family, if not you, uh, that needs us in your lifetime. Uh, how prepared do you want us to be? I mean, that's what it comes down to. 
My thanks again to Sam Schmidt. And folks, before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest issue of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, a decade ago, Eli Lilly and company struggled to release new drugs and maintain investor interest. Today, the company is literally worth more than all of the gold in Fort Knox as its stock price continually posts new highs and analysts praise its pipeline of new drugs. John Russell explores what this means for the company and for Indianapolis. Also in this week's issue, John Russell reports that one of the top researchers at Indiana University School of Medicine has been recruited away from the institution and taken more than two dozen faculty, postdoctoral associates, and IU staffers with him. And Susan Orr highlights the fight against fake online consumer reviews and how the Federal Trade Commission wants to get involved. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say that it is easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And here's a new development. We have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. And that works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. Thank you.